thanks for tuning in. This is episode 119 of Super Nerd Pals. I'm your host, Andy Carasquillo. And I'm Chris Sampson. And we are back to a two-man show. Yeah, the d- dynamic duo. Uh, so Stan had some major tech issues, so he can't uh, make it to the episode today, unfortunately. And Ryan is in, is in London right now. Whoa! And because me and Chris are the only two that have seen Spider-Man. Spider-Man Homecoming. This will be the Spider-Man spoiler cast. Yeah, so Stan and Ryan, get on that. Watch it soon so we can talk about it when you guys get back. Hell yeah, but before we do that, let's jump right into some news. News bus leaving the station. Overwatch Watch 2017 leading the way. Leading Fist? Doom freaking Fist. So, um, let, let, about fucking, like, yeah, this is the 25th character for, no, not, yeah, I think it's the 25th character. Yeah, I think it's 25th. Um, and we've been, we've been hearing about Doomfist for a freaking long time, and finally, he's here, uh, you can currently play Doomfist in the PTR on PC at the moment, um, uh, not exactly sure when the official release is, um... Or when he will be released on console, but if you play on PC, you can play with him right now. Um, unfortunately, Doofus is not Terry Crews, which I think upset you know, millions of fans. But um, if you watch the the Doomfist Origins trailer, uh, which is an amazing two minute anime anime style short. Um, they were. It was produced by the. It was produced by the studio, uh, Wolf Smoke Studios. Uh, if you haven't heard of these guys, they they do really really great work. I think probably the work uh, everyone or fans and listeners would be most familiar with. A couple of years ago, they created a series of shorts for Cartoon Network called Batman of, of Shanghai. So they reimagine Bane, Batman, and Catwoman as like Chinese, um, wuxia, wushu, Hong Kong cinema incarnations, and it's really awesome. It's really cool, super stylish. Um, they're really big fans of Overwatch, so they were tapped to do the Origins trailer for for Doomfist, and the animation's hella tight, and it looks so freaking good. And I actually haven't had a chance to play Doomfist yet, um, but there was a Overwatch developers update video that was uh, released, uh, which which reviewed uh, some of the the moves and stats for Doomfist. And he based, sounds freaking based awesome. Based on that video alone, he sounds broken as hell. He he sounds like like holy yeah. He sounds like a, a amazing powerhouse and extremely fun to play with. Uh, Andy, did you have a chance to play PTR plays Doomfist yet? Uh, no. Max can't run Overwatch, so oh no, can't Sad. get Overwatch. Sad face. Um, okay, However, well, I will wait the other week out until Doomfist is out on PC. Uh, PS4. Okay, okay, and then, um, uh, as soon as we f- find that out, 
uh, we'll update you guys because we can't leave the council players out in the cold. However, uh, Doofist sounds like my my new favorite hero. So he's a cybernetically actually, enhanced. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, he is Overwatch's first official villain. Yeah, this is true. He's part of the the Talon uh, organization. So this is Overwatch in the world in the game's canon. Uh, Talon is Overwatch's biggest enemy. Uh, he's named Akande Ugandi- Ugandimu. Um, so in the lore, um, he was free from prison, and he's been doing a bunch of hit and run attacks. Uh, recent, like most recently, taking out a security facility run by Farah. Uh, he's also um, one of the main leaders of the organization, and uh, if you go watch the developer's video, which we will put, well, we will post a, a link to it in the show notes, um, but it's really interesting. He He has like a sort of, I guess like, like his his uh, modus operandi or his like his out, outlook on life is uh, conflict drives human evolution. So he goes he goes around like like willfully and intentionally starting shit uh, because he's very much of that strongest the uh, or survival of the fittest the strong will live the weak will die kind of uh, kind of life philosophy. Um, so that's that's his whole jam, just to start shit, and you know whoever lives lives, and whoever, and whoever is strong is strong, and it has the right to rule. So he sounds really badass. Um, and so far as gameplay mechanics, uh, he's a offensive hero that favors speed. And dude, his his kit sounds so legit and insane. So um, he's got a hand cannon. Which can deal out damage from a long distance, um, but my favorite attack so far is the rocket punch attack. Oh so, yeah! So it's a it's an attack you can charge up. Um, then you have other moves like rising uppercut, and <laughs> this this move called seismic slam, where he pretty much like backhands you and stuns a bunch of enemies. And he also has a shield called Best Defense. And his ultimate ability is Meteor Strike, which is him basically propelling himself in the air and doing a, an attack from above. And, like, I'm basically knocking down and crippling a whole bunch of heroes. And it's it's basically an amazing jump AoE attack. And it sounds so badass. And I need to play him right now. So, oh, Andy, Doofus sounds like the best character ever. I know. Um, he's definitely gonna be my new main. I've declared that for some time now, but like now that he's actually released and sounds just as amazing as I thought he would be, I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think the Overwatch developers really killed it on like the design, the flavor. Like, everything about this guy sounds freaking scary. Like, his hand cannon, it's basically, like, a series of shotgun shells that fires out from his knuckles. How awesome is that? That's just, like, that is so cool. 
and 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 the, the hype is real. I think Doom has. Well, we I haven't played him, and Andy hasn't played him yet. But I think Doofus will definitely live up to all the hype, and you know we'll confirm that once we get access to PTR, or once the, the, he gets access into the console version. Uh, I r- literally cannot wait, um, and uh, and I f- really feel with orange with his Orges trailer. Um, this just means. This is just even more motivation for an actual full-length movie or anime series based on Overwatch that needs to happen. And I think I really think uh, Wolf Smoke Studios should be the one to do it because the the work that they did on the two-minute trailer was so good. Yeah, that two-minute trailer was so amazing, and the way that Doomfist wrecked uh, Tracer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And then you got Winston raging out. Um. Oh, gee, yeah. Doomfist. Check, check Doomf- that trailer out. <laughs> Doomfist 2017. I cannot wait for Doomfist to hit console. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. I'm saying. I'm sad yeah. that it's not Terry Crews, but... I'm still really excited we're finally getting Doomfist. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't know who's the voice actor in... The Orzis trailer, but I really like his voice. Um, so, I I mean, I we don't know what happened. I mean, Terry Crews was invited, got a tour uh, around in the off in the Overwatch offices or in Blizzard's offices. So there was a bunch of tweeting about that, and from time to time, Terry Crews like launched his own campaign to spur the way. Um, so I mean I mean I mean he would have been great, and I'm sad he's not there. But I I still really really like the voice actor they went with too. So the voice actor for Doomfist is Sahar Najara. Okay. Um. I remember reading a few days ago that like the reason that they didn't want to go with Terry Crews was because they wanted to have, like, an authentic Nigerian accent. Okay. So that's what they were, like, kind of looking for. Okay. That um, makes sense. And it makes sense, yeah. But, um... I still think it would be really dope to have, like, Terry Crews voice some hero. Mm. If not Doomfist, someone else. Yeah. I mean, Overwatch is gonna keep ha- keep on happening, and... Well, we don't we don't know what's next uh, for their roster. So who knows? I mean, okay. So Sahar Noaja, he's known for movies such as The Signal, Stop the Yard, and Money Monster. I actually haven't seen any of those, but if you, yeah, but if if you have and you enjoy his work. Give us a shout-out. Give us a tweet or a message or comment on Facebook. Facebook.com slash group slash Super Nerd Pals. And let us know if you enjoy his work. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you want to go on to the next piece of news? Yeah. Cool. Uh, so this past Friday, um, this is this totally uh, slipped on my radar. I, I, I totally forgot it was happening. But... Uh, the Castlevania animated TV show, um, 
written and directed by Garth Ennis and produced by uh, Adi Shankar and um, the one of the main creators from Adventure Time. Um, what was his name? Uh, I just had this article. Hold on. Doo-doo-doo. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. So you got Warren Ellis, Kevin Cold, Fred Seibert, and Eddie Shakar. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty short and pretty bingeable. I actually haven't watched it yet, but it's uh, four episodes, uh, each of them about like twenty three to twenty five minutes. So it's very bingeable, very consumable, um, and I it looks really. I mean, when we when it was first announced, and uh, when it was announced that it was going to be like an anime or animated. A project in like a sort of anime style, uh, and plus it's gonna be rated R. It sounded really badass. Um, and good news, uh, Castlevania was already renewed for a second season at Netflix with double the episodes. So that's really exciting as well. Awesome. Uh, uh, I guess they kind of just wanted to see like how people would like it, mm-hmm. and um, I guess if like people didn't have good reaction towards it, they would just leave it at the four episodes. But I'm glad yeah. it got it got uh, renewed for season two with double the episodes. Yeah, I think how it originally was worked out, uh, Garth Ennis was working on the Castlevania project as a full length movie. Uh, but it, I think it went through a little bit of development hell. And then when Adi Shankar came on to help produce, I think then it, it transitioned to a like a sort of miniseries I mean cause like the when you if, you if you cut all the episodes into one continuous track it's like it's the perfect length for a feature length film um but I think I think they decided TV was the better route and um which makes sense and and, and, and I think that gives them I think the thing now with the the overwhelming positive re- uh, reception uh now definitely with season two they can the one that like you said before they have confidence in the IP and the project and the vision and two they can flesh it out even more yeah yeah I think um I think making a Netflix series rather like just coming out with movies is in my opinion a lot better Mm -hmm. because with um like with episodes for instance um like next season will be eight episodes, which is double the time. But if they wanted to do that as a movie, it would have to be like a two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like episodes is always like the better route to go with certain things. Yep. And besides, you gotta you gotta c- consume the beast that is Netflix binge culture. You know. <laughs> that is very true. But, yeah, so, um, I'm going to try to watch this in the next week or so, um, and, I don't know, I, 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 it, it popped on my radar, I didn't, I didn't even, I actually kind of forgot about it for a while, and I, so I had no idea, uh, it was going to be released this past Friday, um, so, that's on the queue. Oh, yeah. Um, and speaking of, uh, Adi Shankar, 
Um, this ties into our next piece of news. Uh, so Ubisoft has tapped Shankar to be the showrunner for an Assassin's Creed anime, which sounds awesome. I, 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 I really want this. Um, All I have to say for this is I hope it's better than the movie. I think it will be because Eddie Shankar, he's very stylish, and he and uh, you know he he's already he already shown his chops between his short films and his, and his work already on the Castlevania series. Um, so I think, and he's been a long, long time with a fan of the sh- of the of the IP as well. So I think Ubisoft made a very good decision choosing him. Um, I don't think we know... Actually, in the article I, I've been reading from, this is from comicbook.com, um, there, there isn't news on what, I guess, era or what section of Assassin's Creed it would be. I don't know it would be uh, Altier or Ezio or some brand new thing. Or maybe, or maybe it's a tie-in to... Um, What's it called? Assassin's Creed Origins in, uh, in Egypt. Um, but I'm excited. I think he will do a great job. Um, do you know... Uh, I guess... Like, what What would you like to see from Shankar's anime vision of Assassin's Creed? Uh, maybe more of Connor. Connor was actually my favorite assassin mm, from Assassin's okay. Creed 3. Okay. I feel okay. like we've gotten way too much Ezio stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really care to see any more Ezio stuff. Yeah, we got like what f- four games with him. Yeah. Yeah. Four games, and I feel like he's the center of everyone's attention when it comes to Assassin's Creed. Everyone's always like, "Oh, Ezio is awesome," mm-hmm. but there are other awesome like assassins out there. Um, Edward's another one of my favorite assassins from Assassin's Creed 4. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I would like to see something, I guess, completely different. I mean, uh, or, some, I don't know, maybe something to flesh out the universe that we haven't seen yet or haven't seen enough of. Like, I would like to see um, oh, that one assassin from that, side scroller platform game she was like the assassin from china or maybe like assassin from japan or an assassin from africa or even even with like the assassin from egypt because we don't really we i mean at this point we don't really know much about it and it's also like a the foundation and the crux of the entire assassin's creed story so um i feel like there's a lot of uh a lot of lore a lot of uh things to explore um, at this moment, all we know about mostly is from um, the E3 2017 presentation. Yeah. Um, so I think that'd be a really cool direction. But I think I think it's, this is a good opportunity to explore stuff that hasn't been touched yet. Because, like you said before, like Ezio and like Altier, um, they have had a lot of development. So. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, this is really, really early, early news, but I think Shankar is a perfect choice for the project. And we'll definitely keep everyone updated once uh, more news comes out about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. 
Well, speaking of animated movies, mm-hmm. DC's next animated project, Gotham by Gaslight. Hell freaking yes. And uh, actually, I'm surprised it took it this long. This is the first ever adaptation of an Elseworlds title into an animated movie, if I'm correct. I'm like, actually, yeah, this is, yeah, right? Is it the first? I'm pretty sure it is, because I... I, Like, now that I'm thinking about it, this can't be the first one, because Elseworlds is really popular, but at the same time, I I think it is. Um, So, good job, DC. Um, About time, and... Oh, wait, um... No, come on. this has to be. This can't be the first one, because like, I feel like. Well, I mean, there's. Actually, it might. It might be. That's so weird. I. I like in my head. I feel like there has to be like I don't know an adaptation of Batman versus Dracula. Well, actually, that was a Batman Beyond movie, or like Batman Red Rain. Shit, I think you might be right. That's so weird. I feel like it was. Oh, this is going to bother me. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, anyway, Gotham by Gaslight is an incredible um, alternative take on the Batman mythos. Uh, It was released in 1989, written by Brian Augustine, drawn by Hellboy creator Mike Mignola, and inks by P. Craig Russell, it imagines Batman as a, a vigilante in the Victorian era, uh, Victorian era, and he's trying to catch the serial killer Jack the Ripper. Uh, it's really an amazing work, and uh, Gotham or Batman's steampunk Victorian era costume is really, really iconic. And I think one of the biggest. Legacies of Elseworlds, besides the story itself, oh, besides, oh, the biggest legacies of Gotham by Gaslight, aside from the story itself, it led to Elseworlds being a thing. It kickstarted it. It spawned a whole bunch of of other Elseworlds titles, as well as a direct sequel called Master of the Future. And DC Elseworlds is like one of the greatest things about uh, greatest lines of comics. You got so many works like Batman Red Sun. Um, the Batman Dracula series, um, Batman in, was it, in Darkest Night, where he gets the Green Lantern ring. Oh, so good. Um. Well, maybe this will kickstart something else in the animated projects and start the Elseworld, um, animated series going on. Definitely. I, okay, so, which, which Elseworlds works do you want adapt- adapted absolutely for me red sun yeah, Superman red sun has red to be a thing sun. okay so here's a uh, a rundown of some really awesome elseworlds titles that we can choose from so you got batman thrill killer um tales of the multiverse batman vampire so this is uh if stan was here he would sing the praises for this uh it's like the trilogy where uh, Batman and vampire mythos like just mixes together. So you got Red Rain, where Batman faces off against Dracula, and then he has to become a, a vampire to to defeat him. Uh, Bloodstorm, where 
Batman fights an army of vampires led by the Joker in Gotham. Um, and finally, Batman Chrism Mist, um, where a fully vampiric Batman is revived by Alfred, and he goes on a killing spree uh, on his former adversaries in Rhodes Gallery. That sounds awesome. Um, so I feel like that should definitely be um, uh, a movie. Uh, you got Batman Leatherwing, where it's Batman as a pirate in the empl- an employee of the British Crown. Uh, Bat- Batman Castle of the Bat, where it's basically Batman uh, meets uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And I personally would really love to see an adaptation of... Um, Batman, the the Doom that came to Gotham, uh, which is a 1920s. Uh, uh, okay, well, it, it's basically H.P. Lovecraft mythos combined with Batman, uh, and this is written by Mike Mignola, uh, and the comic is actually really, really amazing. It's also really hard to find. Um, it was never reprinted into a trade. Um, but it, it, it's just really weird 1920s, uh, Eldritch Cthulhu, Lovecraftian elements, and that it's a, cool. it's like a pulp adventure, like, with a little bit of, like, mystery and of the bizarre and supernatural. Um, is there any works, uh, any other else works that you wanted to see? The only thing that I could think of is, like, Kingdom Come. Oh, hell yes. Yes. That would be a fucking awesome movie adaptation. DC, get on it. DC, get on it. Um, so, yeah. So... Oh, okay, hold on. So, uh, yeah. so the, the animated movie is going to be teased. Uh, or the, there's going to be a sneak peek of it. In the upcoming Batman and Harley Quinn animated movie, which comes out on August 29th. And yeah, so that's uh, another reason why you should check out Batman and Harley Quinn and just check out any of the DC animated movies in general. Um, Fucking amazing SNP stamp of approval. Hell freaking yes. I, I don't think I've seen a DC animated movie that I have not liked. Yeah, and again, again, like, I really, uh, okay, well, Wonder Woman is, has broke the curse, uh, but I really feel Wonder Brothers in general should tap more of the TV, or not, yeah, yeah, you know what, yeah, tap the animated TV series writers and developers as well as the movies, um, because they haven't done a bad movie, um, it's, well, I guess, oh, okay, caveat, you know, the Killing Joke movie, uh, I think that was one of the things they kind of stumbled on. And if you're interested in hearing more about that, you can listen to our pa- past episodes. We talked a lot about that. But in general, <laughs> DC animated animated movie wing, or movie, their DC animated, U, and it's, oh, wow, their DCAU branch, um, they've, they've done stellar work. Um, so I, I have no doubt that this first time that they're 
adapting to Elseworlds title. I mean, Gaslight's I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be say good. this. I'm gonna say this. They have like thirty animated movies out. So mm-hmm. to have a one issue out of those like thirty movies, it's still a pretty good track record. That's fucking good. <laughs> uh, Andy, are you excited for Batman and Harley Quinn? Um, I mean, I don't really care much about it. However, I'm still gonna see it. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm still gonna watch it uh, just because their their track record is. I did the math. 96.66% positive. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was a t- Rotten Tomatoes. That's really good. It's really and, good. and that's a 3.44 negative. So, mm. I mean, still looking good. Yeah. Whereas their, their uh, live action movies is like one out of like six. Not so good. <laughs> we nailed it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the the Batman and Harley Quinn movie sounds pretty cool. So uh, here's a synopsis about it. Quote, From an original story by animation icon Bruce Timm comes an all-new DC animated... Or DC Universe animated movie. Poison Ivy and Jason Woodrow, a.k.a. the Floronic Man, embark on an ecological quest to save the planet and, unfortunately, eliminate most of humankind along the way. To save humanity, Batman and Nightwing are forced to enlist Harley Quinn to catch Poison Ivy, Harley's Harley's BFF, and frequent partner in crime. But Batman's patience put to the test by the unpredictable and untrustworthy Harley during the twists and turns the reluctant companions face during their bumpy uh during their bumpy road trip the drill is a thrill ride of action adventure comedy no batman fan has seen before so kevin conray is reprising his role as Woo! batman i love kevin uh, conroy batman hell yeah uh melissa roush uh from the big bang theory uh, most famously is making her debut as harley quinn uh lauren lester is the voice of robin and uh he was uh well, I'm sorry. Lauren Rester from the original voice of Robin from the Batman animated series. He's going to be Nightwing. So, um, yeah, so that's something to look forward to at the end of August. Hell yeah. All right. Can't uh, wait to see the misadventures of Harley Quinn and Batman. Cannot wait. Well, next piece of news uh, we got a live action Bleach ta- uh, teaser. Yeah, um, and, and Andy, you are a... For those who don't know, Andy, you are a huge, super huge fan of Bleach. Yeah, I am a fan of Bleach. Um, pretty big fan, minus the last arc. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Bleach is not the, the most perfect anime manga, but it is still really, really good. Um... And this Bleach teaser seem, seems to be decent. I mean, it's only 22 seconds long. People already have negative shit to say about it. I don't Wait, know it, why. It's a te- one, it's a teaser. Two, it, it, even for a teaser, it's pretty short. I feel like, like people's complaints are like, no, his hair's not spiky enough to be Ichigo. It's not orange enough. Yeah, I, I think at this point, it's too much nitpicking and not, a much, no, and not enough material to go on. I mean, it's... 
Uh, like you were saying before, when we we were talking about it before we started recording, uh, the the teaser. What it looks like, it's when or the teaser is teasing, like when Ichigo first fully gains control of his his uh, his powers. He, he, Not he's... even gains control when he first like acquires his powers and gets his first hollow kill. Mm-hmm. That, that's basically what the teaser is. Yeah. And not even, like, to the full extent. It's just, like, Ichigo slicing and then, like, standing with the sword and then looking into the camera. Like, huh? How are you complaining about that? <laughs> yeah. I Again, it's, it's, still, it's still early to tell, but I think for fans of Bleach, um, this is a pretty good... It's pretty good at Godsend. Um... And like 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 we often talk about before, you know, there's a spectrum of live action anime adaptations. You know, you got some good ones, you got some bad ones, you got some okay ones. So, um, so time only tell. Oh yeah. And the only thing that'll make me have hope is if the um, the Tokyo Ghoul live action movie is good. Yeah, which is coming out really. I th- I'm. If I remember correctly, it's, it's later this month. Uh, yeah, next month. Yeah, I think it's this month. It's uh, coming out later this month, and you know, Funimation acquired the rights, so uh, it's going to be coming out in theaters as well, um, and, which is going to be awesome. So I'm all for it. I like even if even if like live action adaptations that come out, you know, are are bad. You know, it. I still welcome it because it seems to be like even though they're bad they're just gonna keep doing it so. they're gonna keep i mean they're gonna keep doing it and you know eventually the formula would be perfected i mean like like we talked about plenty of times there are some really really good ones like the live action variety kenshin um i have really high hopes for uh the live action jojo bizarre adventure diamond is unbreakable diamond is unbreakable um, live action movie, which is coming out beginning of August. Uh, we got Tokyo Ghoul. And we all know Chris's favorite, Attack on Titan. Oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, I mean, I, th- I feel like, I feel like, I think with the proliferation, I think it'll just be, be a gateway for more adaptations and may- I think I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I, I welcome it. I mean Quick thought, Chris. Staring at your shirt. Um what about a one punch man live yo, action? Yo. Um as much as I love a a movie, like 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 we touched back before, I think it would be pretty cool to have it to be like um like a like a live action series. Uh, something like Netflix oh or like God, some, some kind of di- fucking amazing. I mean, there's been some really cool serialized drama ad- adaptations. I mean, uh, the Death Note one. Yeah, exactly. Death Note is. is it's, I mean, it, One Punch Man is not you know a drama, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like, a, a but serialized... it's kind of like a villain of the week. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, I could see that being like um, a live action. Yeah, um, and. There's a, there's quite a bit of material you can work with. I mean, when you got the manga, um, which is pretty far down already, 
But yeah, it's like if, more than a hundred chapters. Yeah, and if they don't want to overpace the manga, even from the anime side, you, you got the first season, and then you got six episodes of OVAs. Like one of the episode or one of the OVA episodes is like how Saitama got his costume, which would be a great episode by itself. So I feel like between like the thirteen episodes and that's like enough for a full season or even like. Um, or even like uh, two half seasons, or they want to try to truncate the first season to see how it plays out, and then do a longer season um, to follow up. But I, mean, I would I love totally pick that up. Yeah, I would totally love um, that. Over uh, even even if One Punch Man was a movie, I would still totally watch it and 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 love it. Um, because I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, because like, even with the first season, there's a lot to unpack. Like, first you got the villain of the week, and then Satama becoming a hero. Uh, and then you then you got the whole Geno's arc. Um, so. Um, but there's if it's, a if lot it, of content they can work with. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I, I just see it as like a really quirky action comedy um, I don't know, I don't know who would direct it, um, but I think it'd be really awesome. Someone and get I, on that. And I would love to see Saitama's okay dirt face and, oh <laughs> on, the, on the big screen. <laughs> like, like uh, it's, it's like the final episode or like the third act, the climax of the movie where Genos is charging up to his final form and then it just just cuts to that epic scene where, you, where, where Saitama's like, okay. <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so One Punch Man, definitely do it live action. Yeah. Yeah. Willem Dafoe is Geno's. <laughs> He's the final... Po- <laughs> I need that. <laughs> oh, shit, my mic fell. Okay. Well, enough about live-action anime adaptations. Next bit of news, which is also our last one, uh, pretty sad news. Jonah Lee died this past week on uh, Thursday. Yeah, right? uh, yeah. She she died Thursday morning, and she she suffered a stroke earlier in the week and was hospitalized. Um, so it's very, it's very, very unfortunate news um, because Stan Lee and, and Joan Lee, they've been married together for like almost 70 years. Um, and they, uh, Joan Lee left behind um, uh, two children and, and like Stan Lee, uh, the love of her life. They've been together for seventy years, and they're they've been they were a wonderful couple. And it's it's just very shock. It's very tragic, very shocking. And I without Joan Lee, um, I feel like we wouldn't have the Marvel we know and love today. I mean, Stanley has done incredible work, and he's a genius. And, but uh, this is a uh, I think common news to a lot of uh, diehard comics. His- comics book historians, but for those who don't know, um, when, when Stanley was working, 
uh, in comics. Uh, at the time, it was Marvel Comics wasn't wasn't around yet. It was its predecessors, uh, Timely or Atlas Comics. Um, uh, superhero comics w- wasn't really a thing at the moment, and Stanley was quite dis- dep- uh, depressed and unhappy with his career. Uh, during this time, he wanted to be a serious novelist, and the comic book industry at the time, or in the 50s, it was dominated by war stories and science fiction stories and romance, which were genres that he didn't really like, and he contemplated leaving the business altogether. And Joan Lee very famously told him, um, quote, before you quit, uh, why don't you write one comic you're proud of? And from this, uh... Stan Lee came up with the idea and published the fan- like what would become the Fantastic Four, which later which became crazy popular and um, later led into the rest of what uh, what Stan Lee was really well known like Spider Man and um, and uh, the Hulk and everything else that that we know and love today. Uh, so without Joan Lee, we we might have not had a like Marvel comics that, or at least the Marvel comics that we know of, or that we know today. So, uh, rest in peace, John Lee. We we owe you so much, and our regards go out to Stan and the rest of your family. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's not much to say on that, Chris. You've kind of touched on everything there. <laughs> but yeah, she was definitely, definitely paved the uh, the path of. Marvel that we know. Mm. So. Yeah. Rest in power. Rest in power. Um, and with that, the news bus has left the station. Um, so, uh, let's move on to comic book pulls. So, um, my only poll for this week is Spider-Man 2 number 1. Which is the most confusing thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, Chris, your polls? Yeah, so I have Dark Days, the casting, number one. So this is the second, um, I guess, mini issue where it's setting up the eventual, uh, I guess, Batman uh, DC Universe crossover event called Metal uh, uh, held by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. The the first part, Dark Days, The Forge, released last month. So this is the second part, uh, the casting, number one. And then uh, my other title is this completely crazy over-the-top title. I just want to say, off the name alone, I kind of want to check it out. Yeah, it's it's called Shirtless Bear Fighter, number one, and I totally got a flavor of, like, Axe Cop, um, or something equally as ridiculous. Um, so this is a, a, an, an image title written by Jody Lee, Lee Hep, Lee Hep, and I'm sorry if I butchered that pronunciation and and Sebastian Gerner um this just sounds really over the top and weird and funny and I I just I just, just I just want to read it just to see just see if it with my own eyes um so here's the tagline oh my god yeah 
It's it's it's. I mean, you're you're basically getting exactly what you're hearing in the the title. title Yeah, exactly. So, quote: After being betrayed by the bears that raised him, the legendary shirtless bear fighter wanders the forest he's sworn to protect, fist fighting bears, eating flapjacks, and being the angriest man the world has ever known. When wild-eyed, super-strong bears attack the citizens of major city, shirtless ventures into the human world to do what he does best. Punch those bears in the face. But all is not what it seems. Someone is manipulating shirtless, and only by confronting the demons of his past can shirtless hope to save his future. So I need this book. Uh, Alright, so (laughs) the initial, apparently the initial, like, comic release, um... Like the the advertisement, it says shirtless bear fighter. The war on bearer begins June uh, 2017. Oh god, yes. Um. And I mean, if you Google it, you you will just find a bunch of shirtless guy beating up bears. Yeah. Um... This reminds me a lot of the the crazy comic. It's called God Hates Astronauts. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I talked about it before. Uh, It's this hilarious sci-fi comedy comic book series written by Ryan Brown. It was it was first a web comic, but it was also picked up by Image Comics. Um, And it's uh, it's totally a satire and parody on superhero comics. And the first. The first trade, um, it involves there, there's one part of the arc where it involves like this the heroes taking on um, <laughs> this necromantic cult of bears. Like these bears, they wear like these these cultic robes, and they're they're ha- they have a, a demonic summoning circle, and they're trying to revive this boxer. <laughs> and it's so funny and it's so good. So. Uh, just bears. Bears makes any comic amazing. So, I need this comic book right now. Uh, and with that, our comic book pulls yeah. are done. Are done. And now uh, we can get into the real topic. The main event. The Spider-Man Homecoming uh, spoiler cast. So, just for disclaimers, if you have not listen or if you have not watched the movie yet um you know spoilers will be here uh so literally pause the episode grab a ticket watch the movie and come back and and then listen to this episode um uh because again this this, it came out this past thursday so it's only been out for maybe like three or four days i don't know what the box office numbers are, but I'm sure it's killing at the office, and you know it's gonna be playing in the theaters for, you know, the next month or so. Um, so I, I'm sure at this time of the recording, not all people have seen it yet. But since we we love Spidey, we love the MCU, we we on that shit, and we're, so we're we're gonna spoil this for you guys. Um, so just be warned. Hell yeah! All right, let's jump right into it. So, Andy, this this is the seventh Spider-Man movie, and um, I was when I Damn, when is I it really that many. I think yeah. So we we got the Spider-Man. Tr- no wait, no, is no, it, no, this, this is, is, is the sixth. This is the sixth. I'm sorry, this is the sixth one. Still, 
Um, th- it's pretty incredible. Like, um, the first Spider-Man movie came out. Oh god, two thousand one. I want to say. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's it's sixteen years ago. Um, Spider-Man, the, the Tobey Maguire's and um, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. They helped. They helped kickstart like the modern renaissance and revolution of superhero movies and the, just the superhero zeitgeist. Not uh, including and, Blade. Yes, incl- Blade. It's Blade, X Men, and Spider Man. Uh, but I think Blade <laughs> came out first. It was like nineteen ninety nine. Blade was in like the nineties, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Blade! The Blade! That first Blade movie is still so good. Still holds Kicked up. Ass. Oh, my God. My God. I really wish Marvel or whoever the rights would who own that who whoever owns the rights to blade the river visit or i don't know not necessarily like a revamp or reboot but bring back wesley snipes i know we're not talking about blade but uh wesley snipes did say that if they ever brought back blade that he would be more than happy to take that role back do it and yeah he was he's the robert downey jr of blade basically perfect you know what? We Blade Blade Netflix series. Just I want an entire season of Blade. Bring back Ryan Reynolds, um, because Ryan Reynolds he was in the second one. And he was doing Wade Wilson before he was actually Wade Wilson, and yes, I, I need that. Yes. Anyway, this is not the Blade spoiler cast. This is Spider Man. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so this is the sixth movie, and I feel like I feel like maybe for some people. Um, and they they may ha- you might you, you might go into this with Spider-Man fatigue. Oh, another Spider-Man movie, but um no, you know what? Fuck all that. This movie this movie made me fall in love with Spider-Man all again. Like I I I've always liked Spider-Man and Tom Holland was incredible in Civil War. Uh but this movie uh, I I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like this is sacrilege, but I feel like I like it more than the Sam Raimi Tobey Maguire movies, which is saying a lot, especially Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock was one of the greatest, I mean, one of the greatest ever. Spider-Man 2 is definitely one of my favorites. However, um, I don't know. I feel like the um, the pair of like amazing Spider-Man movies, in my opinion, was better than the Sam Raimi, minus Spider-Man 2. Because mm. Spider-Man 2 is, like, beyond perfect. Mm-hmm. But, um, the first one was a really slow start, and then, um, Spider-Man 3 was just bad. It's hot, hot garbage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, I mean, Spider-Man 3 failed because, like, sloppy writing, and, like, the stu- there was, like, I think it was, like, too much studio control or studio input. Like, they wanted... Like, all they want... Like, Sam Raimi had his vision, but it's the studio wanted Venom to be shoehorned in, and um, and then they were trying to... They are just trying to do too much. I don't, I don't think there was a clear vision. And, you know, emo Peter Parker. Well, one, <laughs> one thing I definitely do have to say about this movie is... It is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. At the moment. Mm-hmm. It is so good. Tom Holland kills it as Peter Parker. And, and it's it's 
it's I mean yes it's an it's another young it's another Peter Parker movie and like I know a lot of people were like oh Miles Morales and or this was this was a chance to uh, introduce him to the MCU but even that like Tom Holland's incredible and I and this is like the quintessential Spider Man this is Spider Man when he's he's young he's uh, he he's dealing with he's he's trying to balance his superhero life. With the the life of everyday people, so um, and like you know, we actually get to see the the Peter Parker that's in high school and has to deal with high school drama, mm-hmm. as well as the the role like the toll it takes to be Spider Man. I, I think we've like, seen that. I think we've seen like high school drama in the other movies, but I don't think the, well, exec- like never the execution to, we one never as really a... get to see like the 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 juggle. Of yeah. The two. Yeah. And like, um, like in this movie, they make it note that like Peter used to be in all of these like after school programs, yeah. and he dropped them all. Yeah, he dropped he dropped the uh, band and uh, the debate team, and uh, and I th- I think it was really cool how um, he uses the high school as his makeshift base of operations like he, he hides his costume and extra web shooters and fluid underneath a bunch of lockers and he like lifts it up with one hand and just grabs it or the fact that he's constantly testing new web fluids like in the middle of of science class or the fact that um that one scene where ned and spidey uh they were trying to investigate the shatari power core and they were doing in the middle of shop class which i i really really liked yeah, like, Spider-Man, of course, Peter Parker is not, like, rich, like, like Batman, so he doesn't have his own, like, spider cave. Mm. So, you know, he has to, he has to make do with what he has, and at this moment, he has school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, it, I think, with the high school job, I think it executed a lot better. Um, I mean, you got, yeah, I, I, I you have Peter's just dealing with like high school puppy love and trying to balance, you know, trying to stay good in school and trying to take care of Aunt May and, and then douchey Flash Thompson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Flash Thompson. I re- I really enjoyed this incarnation. Um, it's it's a step away from the high school jock archetype, and it's more of like, I guess like a. Uh, I don't know. I feel. I want like... to say he's still kind of a jock, but like being on the um. Uh, fuck! What was the team that he's on? Oh, the debate team. Is it a debate team? Yeah, it's like the academic de- decathlon. Yes. Yeah. So, being on that shows that like this, Flash is like smart. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, he's kind of like, like a nerdy jock. Yeah. He's still unlikable. <laughs> like, there's like, that one scene where he's, cli- like, well, he, he butts in front of Liz, trying to get out of the elevator in the Washington Monument, and he's still trying to carry out the trophy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's I think- also, there's like four times in the moment in the movie where he's like, Starts the penis Parker rant. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Good insult. <laughs> uh, um, what did I say? But yeah, so I think I I think this is like the most convincing, and I think uh, I think real world adaptation of like Peter Parker pa- Peter Parker dealing with high school issues. Uh, and we're not getting like a twenty five year old pretending to be. A high schooler. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, I mean, in this movie, uh, Peter is 15, and Tom Holland, he's, like, actually, like, 18 or 19. Um, He actually looks his age, and, like, the high schoolers actually look like high schoolers, which is great as well. Um, um, And I love Ned. Ned is one of my all-time new favorite characters. Oh, yeah, for sure. uh, his name is in the movies like Ned Leeds, um, but he's a fusion of like one of one of the characters and uh, what's his name, uh, Gank, uh, like Miles Morales's uh, best friend in um, in his run. So they they combine like the best of both worlds. But uh, Ned is he he's an amazing uh, supporting character. His, uh, he's Peter's best bro, and you know I love how that running joke of him being like the IT tech psychic oracle archetype becomes real in the third act. Like, (laughs) this is great scene. Like, throughout, when Ned finds out about Peter's identity, he really wants to help him. He's like, yeah, I could be your tech guy. Every hero has a guy with a bunch of computer screens. And then later (laughs) in the third act, um, he goes to, I guess, the high school's library uh, or like the computer lab. And he's like, he has like five, like like all the computers are open. He's sliding in in the the in the chair, like from back to forth, like trying to do multiple things. I'm like, oh, here's how to how to turn on the lights in your Audi, or here's um, the tracking device for Peter's phone, and it, it was so good. It's so hilarious. And Peter even makes that uh, that joke. He was like, "You could be my computer guy. <laughs> like, let's do it. Let's do it." But um. Yeah, Ned is Ned is fucking awesome, and then um, when he gets caught by the teacher, and the teacher's <laughs> like, "What are you doing? I came in here to watch porn." porn? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I feel I feel like Ned is Ned is like the surrogate for all of us. Like I, I think Ned's reaction would be. A lot, a lot of us. If we found out, like our best friend is is Peter Parker, is or our best friend is Spider Man, you're like, oh my god, you're Peter, you're climbing on the, the the walls. Did you fought Cap? How what was he like? And like like the, that 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 hilarious montage like throughout class where Ned is just badgering Peter of of all these Spidey details, and it's just it's so earnest and funny. And I feel like I feel like if you were if you were in Ned's shoes, you would act like the same exact way. Or like, or like even when, when they're tracking the vulture for the first time and they're in Peter's room and Ned's just wearing the Spider-Man mask. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's what I would be doing. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So Ned's just like best, best Oracle ever. <laughs> he also asks Peter some weird questions about being bit by a spider. Like if Peter lays eggs. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's so good. Uh, so, uh, 
Um, but now that we've touched on that, let's touch on the main villain. The, the main villain. Yeah. So, Michael Keaton, that wild bird man, as Stan would eloquently phrase it, he plays the vulture, or uh, Adrian Toomes. And, like I was saying before, when I was talking with Andy before he record, started recording, I... I was never really like a Vulture fan. I mean, I, I he's like I, I thought it was he was an okay villain, um, but I I don't think it was like an A lister, like Doc Ock or Venom. But after this movie, like one, holy shit, I think he's badass and amazing. And two, the MCU not only made or and Michael Keaton not only made like a super scary villain, but like. Someone you could really empathize with, and like he's, he's not like a one-dimensional, cartoonic or cartoonishly villainous character. He's, he has a lot of depth. He's he's like he's basically he's basically like the poor man's Iron Man. But if he his if life threw him on the other side of the tracks and gave dealt him like a bad hand, um. And he's really convincing. Like throughout some of the movies, I actually empathize with like his plight. Like so, the like the main, um, his main driving conflict and arc. Um, he he's a salvage worker, and he uh, he's the uh, he's the he's the owner of the salvage company, and he deals with a lot of like blue collar um, workers, and he's responsible for them and their families. And he acquired a, an exclusive city contract to clean up all the mess uh, after the Battle of New York, cleaning up all the Shatari alien technology. Then Tony Stark and the U.S. government set up the Department of Damage Control, which basically uh, collects and cleans up all the all the big Avengers. Uh, extraterrestrial mess ups and they, they, they collect all the technology um, so Adrian Toomes he's like fight the system they don't care about the the little guy uh, they don't care about us so he starts his own operation uh, like this he of illegal gun running and weapons trafficking of, of Shatari and alien based technology so he creates the vulture suit based out of this um so at his core, you know, yeah, he's still doing illegal activities, uh, but he's still providing for his family. Uh, he's providing for uh, a bunch of these uh, these workers who, at the time, they were all going to be out of the job. They 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 would have lost their jobs and their families and their homes, and wouldn't be able to pay bills or even, you know, feed their families. And not uh, only that, he explains in the beginning of the movie that like he spent every single penny he had on, like, the trucks and, like, trying to get the tools and the manpower yeah. to to clean up the alien technology from Battle of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So, honestly, like, Tony Stark kind of would have fucked his entire life up. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he did. He didn't. Yeah, like, he... And, and you know... Adrian Adrian Toomes he 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 tried appealing to them but you know it's it's a uh, I mean this is very I, mean, I don't want to get too political but like this is very big government versus little guy this is this is um you know this is Adrian Toomes has a very much of this 
anti-elitist sentiment um, where, you know, like Tony Stark, the Avengers, uh, the government, you know, they, they, they get into big messes and, you know, oftentimes the little guy gets or ends up getting or ends up paying the bigger price. Um, so I totally get, I totally, it's a, it's a totally empathetic or sympathetic motivation. Um, I think where he, he jumps over his moral authority or compass or like his moral high ground. He, he loses the moral high ground when he decides to kill, like straight up kill Peter. Um, like he leaves him for dead in like the third act. He, he dropped an entire building on him and he, and he, he tries to kill Peter multiple times. And he, in like during the ferry incident, he's not, he's not concerned at all taking down the entire ferry boat just to get away. So at that point, you know, you lose sympathy for them, but at least in the, in the beginning. Well, actually, the ferry incident was kind of Peter's fault. Well, that's true. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, this is true. He was uh, only, he was just shooting at Peter. He wasn't trying to, like, destroy the, the ferry. Mm-hmm. Peter's web kind of fucked that up. Or, or the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so I, I backtrack. Um, yeah, and, and in a way, like, um, uh, I guess, uh, I mean, Adrian, uh, the vulture kept it pretty close to the, to the belt. Um, I mean, uh, eight years passed by, um, uh, where, you know, he didn't, he, he was, it was a totally covert operation and technically no one got hurt. I mean, you could, you could argue the reverse like he's spreading alien technology in, in the underground black market and these criminals are using it for for evil so in a way you can say that he's still responsible but um i mean at the same time he he tombs takes a lot of time to not um take human life in these operations because one from a practical logistical standpoint like you know do anything that high profile will reveal him and his network and his operations but two like he he get like he gives a lot of chances to avoid that like especially for peter he gave him like multiple ways out uh especially when in that huge surprise twist uh, uh where we find out that he's liz's father uh, Liz is the love interest of Spider-Man or uh, Peter in this movie primarily, um, and Toons gives Spider-Man the ultimatum to like walk away, you know, uh, just leave me alone, uh, never uh, don't inf- interfere with my business again, and um, everything will be fine. Um, and even in the end, um, we still see. Uh, somewhat redemptive qualities or that he, or that the vulture isn't like one dimension and he does have like a good side to him um and the in the like he did drop a building on on peter but in the final battle where uh he he knocked down spider-man always he, he doesn't unlike other villains or other spider-man movies like he doesn't try to kill peter in the end he he tries to get away with a bunch of arc reactors because he's still he's still looking out for his family for the well being of his operations, um, 
And then it was only when Spider-Man saved him, uh, or Spider-Man ends up saving him. But at the end, the Vulture was trying to get away. He didn't kill Peter. And he also covers for Peter in jail. Uh, that's the, the mid-credits scene where the Scorpion approaches him. And the word on the blo- word on, in the street or on, on the cell block is that uh, a, the Vulture knows who Peter is. And the Vulture straight up denies anything about it and walks off. So... Uh, the Vulture isn't a, he he has death and he's not, he's like a, a morally great character and I I feel with that um, per, uh, characterization and just everything about Michael Keaton's delivery of the character I, he's Vulture's like wow amazing one of my yeah, new like, favorite villains even even the fact that like a ten minute conversation in a car ride to like taking them to the homecoming dance. He was able to figure out that Peter Parker was um, Spider-Man based off of the things Liz was saying, mm-hmm. and like I, with and and his voice also. Yeah, because he said that. It, it also gives credence to the incredible range of of Michael Keaton's acting chops. Because um, I just love how completely different he was when Peter arrives at Liz's door and. Um, and he, he's, he's just playing like the, the good dad. Like he was so, he was completely different. And, um, I was, it was so incredibly convincing. Like, uh, uh, Adrian was, was teasing Peter and, and, you know, just, just being like a, a congenial dad and, and being a loving husband and, um, and just doting on his daughter. That it was just like, wow, this like Michael Keaton. You get you should get an award for that. But even on the flip, Tom Holland's performance there in that same exact scene where he was like terrified and kind of like awkward that like this major villain he's been hunting this entire time is Liz's father, mm-hmm. and like even to the point where like when Liz. When Liz's mom was like uh, to take a picture, um, and Peter's like nonstop like staring at Michael Keaton and get, like the most awkward smile ever. Or the <laughs> fact that the fact that he just hands uh, Liz the corsage in the most unromantic way possible. He's just like uh. Uh, he just kind of <laughs> passes it to her while staring at Michael Keaton. Like the performance is great in that movie. Mm-hmm. And not only do we, do we get the vulture, we get the shocker, and the shocker was awesome. Um, we get, we tend to get two shockers, like a nice B-list villain, which I've always wanted to see on this big screen, and we kind of got that, not to the fully shocker extent, but we did get it. Mm-hmm. And you also get, uh, like we said before in the mid-credit scene, uh, a bit of Scorpion. Uh, what's his name? Mac, Mac Egrin. Like he's like the the alter or the 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 OG identity of the scorpion that is most prevalent and well known in comics. Um, he has a scorpion tattoo. He showed up in a short scene um, where um, what was it? Oh, it, it was it was in that deal with um, with Donald Glover's character and Spidey. Spidey drops in, busts up the deal, and um, the scorpion character gets like a. Or wait, was he? 
Was he in the no, deal with Donald Glover or was he on the ferry? I don't remember now. I'm not sure. Oh, no, you know what? No, the Scorpion, he was on the ferry. He was doing a deal yeah, with the ferry. Yeah, because I think the one... Oh, no, no, no. The one that was doing the deal with um, Donald Glover was um, the first Shocker. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because mm. then uh, Michael Keaton told them about like shooting off the their weapons in open space because they didn't want to get caught. Mm. Yeah. And also, how awesome is that is Donald Glover, you know, he, he 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 ends up in the Spider-Man movie. I mean, he's not... Well, actually, technically, he's, he, he was in the Spider-Man movie. He, he voiced the... Mile, uh, Donald Glover was the voice of Miles, or he was—he was, he was yeah. the voice of someone in. Uh, oh yeah, he Miles was the voice Morales. of Miles. And um, he shows up. Oh, hold on. And he shows up in Homecoming as like I guess a uh, a mid-level street thug. <laughs> and uh, we see him in doing a a gun deal um, with the first shocker, and then Spidey foils that deal. And then later we see him. <laughs> There's this hilarious scene where um, Karen, uh, the suit's AI, turns on interrogation mode and gives Spidey the Batman voice. <laughs> and then Donald Glover's like, "Dude, you, you, you're clearly new at this." And it was such a hilarious scene. My my favorite thing was like, um, where he calls Spidey a girl. He's like, "I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. I'm a man." <laughs> Oh, that's it. That scene was so good, and I love how um, it, Don Glover's role is like a super deep cut for for Spidey fans. Um, so Glover's role in the movie is Aaron Davis, and Aaron Davis is one a burglar and criminal in the comics called the Prowler, uh, and two. Um, Aaron Davis is also the uncle of Miles Morales in the comics, and yeah. he does and he does mention that, or in the movie, he does mention he has a has a nephew in the city, and he doesn't want the guns to uh, go into his neighborhood because he has a, a nephew to look out for. So maybe that's a confirmed, subtle uh, thing that I don't know. Maybe Miles Morales will show up show up later in the MCU, or maybe it's like a throwaway fun Easter egg. It could be both. But I, I really appreciated that. I mean, I feel like it's it was too big of a role. Like, he played way too big of a role for it to be, like, just... Just like an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But, you know, so Miles? Miles in, like, Phase 6? <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. Um... Man. So... Oh, what what was your favorite scene in the movie? Oh, oh my goodness! Um, there's a couple. So one, I, I just love, um, I just love uh, like the montage where Ned is badgering Peter about like just like that 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 whole entire collective arc where Ned's just just blown away by Peter revealing or. Finding about Peter's identity, like him dropping the Death Star, uh, the Lego Death Star, and and, and him badgering throughout the day of all these questions, uh, like, hey, "Do you lay an egg? Uh, have you fought Cap?" Um, I really enjoyed. 
Um, man. Oh, you know what? I, I my, one of my uh, the the entire tribute to Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where it addresses the it addresses the concern of what happens when Spidey's like not in the city. So he's just running across the suburbs, like hopping across rooftops and busting through backyards and parties, and and like like tripping into the the kid's tent and like and and, and like scaring them off. I lo- it. I I love that scene because it, it it provided like a really cool action chase scene with a lot of comedic brevity in between, and they they even showed like a scene from Ferris Bueller on a TV screen, and then later it cuts to Spidey like running across the lawn. That's I love that scene so much. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is where Spider Man tracks them, uh, the two guys down at the gas station. Oh yeah, and that's like where he first um, uses like the suit at its full potential. But he doesn't know how to use and, it, and Karen's and Karen like goes into combat mode, and uh, then he shoot like the web balls instead of like trying to shoot webs to like swing up top. Or it's like activating ta- taser we- uh, taser webs, <laughs> and then it turns on all the lights. Mm-hmm. It was just a really funny scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and related to that, when he's stuck in the the damage control compound, yeah, he, that's, that was gonna be my next. Yeah, he, he kills like thirty seven minutes going through all his <laughs> all his tools like of the like the the web grenades and and like and then the, and oh, so cool. It's funny because the montage made it seem like it was gonna be such a longer amount of time, and he's like, Karen, how long have we been here? Shit, like thirty seven minutes. Uh. <laughs> Um, let's, uh, I, I got so nervous at the end where, like, Vulture's wings were gonna explode. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, here it goes, another, another Spider-Man villain death. That's, that's what they do a lot, of, like, a lot of the times, you know, they just kill off their villains, um, and... And this movie definitely didn't. Yeah, I think, and I think that... I think that was the great choice because one, um, well, well, one like Peter, like Peter's a fifteen-year-old kid. If he, if someone dies while he's on the job, like even if it was Adrian Toomes, like he would, that would scar him for the rest of his life. Like, uh, and that would, I think that would seriously cripple and compromise his growth as a hero. Um, and you know, he he defeats the Vulture, but he. He still abides. Or still, he's still he's still able to for his moral code. He he saves the vulture, um, and you know he he ends up being a hero. And he he and he doesn't he doesn't he holds on to. Um, I think it, it, it. I don't know. I I th- I really feel like. Um, it was the smart decision because one, it, it uh, from a studio standpoint, it'll set up future confrontations with the Vulture, whether yeah, it's gonna Sinister be in a six. Sinister Six, and two, uh, from a thematic uh, standpoint, I think this is this is basically year one of of Spider-Man's career, and yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know how many times Spidey has killed. Or if it's like a Batman sort of thing where he's never killed even 
Um, Spider-Man killed like a total of one villain on okay. purpose. On purpose, okay. And it was um, it was Green Goblin. Oh yeah, Norman Norman Osborn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I think I think it was, it was a smart decision on Marvel to to keep him alive, and you know I think Michael Keaton was such a great actor. You should tap that that resource for future movies, even if it was just a small short cameo and the next. Homecoming sequel, whatever it's called. Yeah, um... I also like that we didn't get to see Uncle Ben die for the third time. Yeah, thank you for not recapping, because everyone knows. Everyone knows what... And touching on how he got his... his powers, and, like, spending a fucking hour of Spider-Man not in his suit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, figuring out his powers, we just got straight, like, Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, uh, at this point, between, what, like, 70 years of comics, uh, so many TV shows, and then... 16 years of movie. Yeah. People know. People know who Spider-Man is. They know his, they know his origins. And, you know, it's... Just cut the fluff, cut the fat, and get to the parts we we haven't seen, or get to the parts that we want to see more of. So Spidey in high school, and Spidey in drama, and Spidey interacting with Tony Stark, and who's by the way, Tony Stark is the worst dad ever, <laughs> literally. Um, but uh, I. Yeah, so no, no more, no more origins. Unless you're, uh, unless you're gonna do like a Miles Morales or maybe like a Spidey twenty ninety nine or Spidey Noir, just keep the keep the origin story to a minimum. Like we, uh, we're we're in an age where instant access to any any information is only like a keystroke or a tap on on the on your phone screen away. So, um, and I really like uh, the, the the most like quote-unquote, like, blatant reference to that, but not really, is, like, Peter talking to Ned. I think it's Ned, or... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Ned, where he's, he's mentioning he doesn't want uh, Ned to tell Aunt May, or he doesn't want Aunt, Aunt May to f- find out, because he, he, like, for ba- or paraphrasing it, he said, um, Aunt May has a lot on her plate right now, or she has a lot on her mind right now, and, like, I don't want to worry her, so that could be... It could be one, maybe Uncle Ben's death was recent, or maybe it's two uh, that Ma is just dealing or just struggling uh, to be a single mom. Um, but it leaves it leaves enough ambiguity to it could be it could be that it could be something else. But it, either way, it still perfectly tracks with the rest of the the world's in canon theme and motifs and trajectory of the story. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, I also um, was thinking, Shocker was never caught. Shocker oh, yeah, that's also right. also knows the identity of Spider-Man. That's so, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was webbed up. Um, so I kinda, that kind of uh, undoes the Vulture's um, act in the mid-credits scene, unless the Vulture gave... A strict ultimatum to Shocker to not reveal his identity, but you know, 
I mean, it's prison. I mean, instead of... Or maybe Shocker will try to, like, use that to, like, attack Peter in the next movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, to get revenge for his boss. So, I don't know. Yeah, they kind of left that up in the air. Now, the, thanks for mentioning that, because we only see Tombs in prison, and or, or uh, Liz and her, and her mom um, uh, dealing with the aftermath of the criminal investigation and going to trial. Um, but we didn't hear anything again from Tombs. Like, the, literally the last scene we see of him, he's stuck to a wall uh, at the high school by Peter, or a school bus. Yeah. No, no, Ned did. Ned, well, Actually, by Ned, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that was so cool. That was so, oh, you know what? That's another favorite moment. Like Ned saving the day, like grabbing one of uh, Peter's web shooters that he lost during the fight with Shocker, uh, in the um, in the fight in the school bus yard in the back, and like Ned like like whips uh, a Shocker in the arm, and and Spidey is able to take him down. That was so badass. Hell yeah, Ned coming to the rescue. So I guess going forward, what what do you want to see for uh, the future of the MCU and, and like Sony? Sony is building their own um, Spideyverse. You know, we we got all right. So I need to see Sinister Six. Sinister, uh, yeah. I want to see Carnage. Was Carnage one? I I don't think Carnage was part of the original Sinister Six. No, no, no. I'm just saying in general. Oh, in general, yeah, dude. Um, Carnage was never a part of Sinister Six. Okay. Uh, well, with the with the upcoming Venom movie, that could be a perfect jumping off point to a Carnage movie. Um, and the fact that you know Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock is so legit, and I think they re, I think they um, clarified that the the Venom movie and the Black Cat movie i think they're all in the same universe as homecoming now uh yeah they kind of like accidentally revealed that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. but um yeah and from articles i've read um the guy that plays jerome in gotham he's showing interest in like playing cletus cassidy yeah that is the perfect choice yeah he's that is a really good actor do it right now. And, um, I mean, if they want to, like, keep the age ranges, a, a, like, similar, I know, I mean, I know, like, Eddie Brock, he, I mean, I think it makes sense for him to be a much older character, but, uh, if they want to go with Cletus Cassidy as, like, a young pseudo-adolescent, young adult psychopath, um, like, he's the perfect age. And, like, he's so, like, him as Jerome, like Jerome's, him, his performance, Jerome is so messed up and charismatic in that really creepy way. So I think he would be perfect as Cletus Cassidy as well. So do it right now, Marvel or Sony, whoever's doing that. That is literally the best. Andy, props to you. That is the best casting choice ever. Oh yeah, I would love to see that, and I need that like as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, I guess. On to rating the movie. What, what would you give this movie? Uh, five out of five goblins. 
I will also give it 5 out of 5 goblins. This movie was definitely the best Spider-Man movie out there. Ever. Like, Tom Holland... It's a must-see. Yes, it's a must-see. Tom Holland is an incredibly charismatic and convincing and most screen-accurate Peter Parker's, uh, I think, to date. Um, Michael Keaton absolutely kills as the Vulture. Um, You get your fun MCU ties in. Like, we got Tony Stark shows up. Um, We've got, we got mention. Oh, Cap, like the Captain America PSAs are super hilarious. Um, We get mention of some pretty cool stuff. um, Like the prototype shield for uh, a, a new prototype shield for Captain America or the next Captain America. Or whoever that will be, whether that's Bucky or Sam, um, and then there's something there, there, they tease something about Thor. Like it's, it wasn't Mjolnir. It was like Thor. It, they they said it was like Thor's magical belt, which is really interesting. And uh, I don't know anything else about that. Um, do you know? Do you know anything about Thor? Uh, yeah, yeah there, shit about that. Okay, yeah. So there was that scene. That's a stand question. Okay. Um, but there was a scene where Happy was going through the 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 checklist of all the stuff that's being transported uh, while they were moving out the rest of the stuff from Avengers Tower. And one of the things, including the prototype shield and a bunch of arc reactors and Iron Man's Hulkbuster armor, was this magical belt that belonged to Thor. Um, so that was that was really cool. Um, so they're, they're, like, they're seeding up a bunch of other really cool MCU stuff. Um, incredible action, in- incredibly funny. Um, lots of really, really great comedic bits, like all the interactions with Peter and Ned. Um, uh, the Ferris Bueller montage. Um, this, the, the really, fu- uh, you know, oh, you know what? Zendaya as Michelle. I loved her. She was so... She has this really funny, dry, sassy sense of humor. And I really enjoyed her character. Yeah, her character was really funny and, like, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, and the the final... The end of the movie where Aunt May walks in on Peter when he still has the costume on. Oh, and yeah. And she's like, what the fuck? Or what the hell? And I was like, oh, it's so funny, so good. Um... So, this was a really, really strong movie, and Sony could not have made a better decision to relinquish control of it to Marvel with between Civil War and Homecoming, and I, I this is this is what teamwork gets you guys, you know. So you know, just you just share share the love, share the IP. I know money means a lot to you guys, but you know, look, you have a great movie, and you're still gonna make a fuck ton of movie. Um, fuck ton of money off of it so you should do that with fantastic four dr doom because stan by god stan needs an actually good dr doom movie and you know on-screen appearance all right so i guess that's the end of the show yes go watch spider-man homecoming it's amazing go see it now go see it see it see it once to see it twice and then see it three times give sony and marvel your money so we can have an amazing homecoming sequel and, and more amazing Marvel movies. Hell yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. This was the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming spoiler cast.
I'm Andy Carasquilla. You can find me on Twitter at SweetJustice1. I'm Chris Sampson. You can find me on Twitter at Kyo Ninja for Hire. That's K-Y-O Ninja for Hire. You can find uh, our podcast on Stitch. Um, iTunes? <laughs> Stitch, iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, not Stitch. Yeah, Stitcher. Yeah, we're on Stitcher. Jesus Christ. It's been, we, we, we're a little bit rusty. <laughs> um, Google Play. Google Play. Any podcast player of your choice, all you have to do is find our RSS feed, and I'll post that in the show notes. Um, you can find our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash superheroes. You can also find, you can us, find us on Twitter. What? Uh, you want to? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, at Super Nerd Pals. You can also find us on Instagram at Super Nerd Pals. And just just Google us. Just go- yeah, if you have any questions for us, feel free to email us at pals at supernerdpals.com. Hell yeah. And please rate and comment um, our podcast on iTunes if that is where you listen to it. Um, it helps us like broaden our horizons. Yeah, uh, it's really important. Um, so uh, iTunes... Uh, the iTunes algorithm is oh, really, really based on reviews. I mean, there's no real way of getting around it. So, and we also really want to uh, get uh, we we want this podcast to be spread around so more people will be able to listen and enjoy it. And we also really want to hear your thoughts and feedback and constructive criticism. We always want to make the show better and, and more excellent and. And we also want to hear uh, like stuff that you want want to see in the future. So leave us a review, uh, leave us five stars if you enjoyed the episode, and you know leave us a message, tweet at us, anything that you want us to talk about. We we always want to interact with you guys, and and especially uh, uh, join our Facebook community. It's really active. It's really it's really hopping. It's it's a a constant stream of memes and news and articles and. And it's a really good time. But yeah, join our group. We're at uh, 516 members, I believe. Or no, 616? 615. Uh, so we're climbing up there. Yeah. So help us. By the end of the year, we want to be at 1,000 members. So Yes. Yeah, Let's so share the group. Invite other friends. Invite family. Invite your enemies. Share. Just share everything. Share the podcast. Share, share our links. Share our group. And uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. All right, till next week. Peace out. Peace out.